Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day. It's free and available everywhere you get your podcasts, including on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Locked On Bearcats YouTube channel and follow it, too, to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. My name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day here on Locked On Bearcats. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So the Bearcats yesterday announced the or formally introduced New defensive coordinator, Brian Brown, and new offensive coordinator, Tom Manning. Um, also big news yesterday, Malik Van announcing that he is returning for his sixth season with the Cincinnati Bearcats. That is a massive, that is a massive retainment for the Cincinnati Bearcats on their defensive line. Jawan Briggs spoke yesterday. So a lot of really good things happening around the Cincinnati Bearcats football program. And when I say good things... I think the one thing that um, – and Russ and I talked about this last week. Again, Russ and I will be back later this week, um, not later today, tomorrow at 12.30. So tomorrow at 12.30 will be our, our weekly live room, so looking forward to that. Um, Russ and I talked about this last week. Scott Satterfield's three main coordinators, Brian Brown, who we had at Louisville, Tom Manning, who – is one of the top assistant coaches in the country over the last few years. And Kerry Combs, who returns as um, special teams coordinator and defensive backs coach. So essentially, your three main guys, your three main coordinators, assistant coaches, what's not to like about them? What is not to like about one of the best area recruiters known to this area in Kerry Combs. Tom Manning and Brian Brown talked about this yesterday. This is, I mean, the Bearcats are in a great position right now with their coordinators. Tom Manning talked about it, I should say. And Tom Manning talked about it. Being from Youngstown and being an Ohio football guy, that never leaves you. And Scott Satterfield, who is not known to recruit this area, he understands that he needs to hire people who have experience and ties with this area. And Tom Manning has that. And again, you can be skeptical because he Iowa State was not a very good team last year. Well, they were playing their first season post Brees Hall, Brock Purdy. And for a program like Iowa State, who historically is not a successful program, that, you know, that's a huge, that, that, that is a, that's a huge deal. But you look at what they did in 2021 and 2020 and years before that, and they had a top 25 rushing offense each of the last three seasons. That's significant to me. And it should be to you. And you look at Brian Brown. He, uh, Justin Williams of The Athletic tweeted this out. Um, Justin Williams tweeted this out. Um, Louisville's stats in 2022 defensively. Louisville's stats 
2022, led the nation in sacks, seventh in tackles for loss with 97, had 50 sacks, third with 30 forced turnovers, 11th allowing just 19.2 points per game, first and fourth, first in fourth down defense, held opponents just four of 21, 11th in red zone defense, um, 0.74, and top 25 in a bunch of metrics. Yards per play allowed was 29th, best for Louisville defense since 2016. Um, Justin says that the defense was the Bearcats' identity under Luke Fickle. Brown's style is different, but the performance last season in terms of aggressiveness gained after the quarterback and creating turnovers is intriguing. Um, I, I, I do think that there is a lot of talent still to work with on this defense, and, and that's what Brian Brown talked about. He talked about being able to coach Deshaun Pace and that he's looking forward to working with him. Brings, it talked about how he brings a different dynamic to the game, especially within our scheme. Um, he even said that he thinks he can play free safety, can play the nickel position to the field, blitz him. Um, talks about all the things he does a great job with, coverage, zone coverage. Um, he said that it did hurt. It does hurt to lose. It does hurt to lose Ivan. But um, the fact that you are coming into a program with Deshaun Pace and Jaheim Thomas and a bunch of other linebackers, and knowing that you, um, knowing that you still have something to work with, it's it's really, really, I think, better than you realize. And if you're Tom Manning and, and you know, coming to Cincinnati, um, Tom Manning's known Scott Satterfield for a long time, um, understands the importance of recruiting in Ohio, says the coaching at the high school level in the state is elite. Um, he's extremely happy and excited to be a part of a place that high school football is is really important, and it is. Um, it's done. He mentions that it's done the correct way. Familiarity in the state is a huge thing. He's recruited Northeast Ohio. He spent time in Toledo. So it's he understands it's a big deal. And he calls it um, how important this state is to the lifeblood of our football program. I think that's a huge deal. I think that is um, something that should not be taken lightly. Understanding that this has been the fabric of this program as this program's identity for the last 20 years. You're not just going to uproot that. So huge day, both coordinators being introduced. We'll have much more on that later this week with Russ. Um, very excited to see what these what these two coordinators can do. And, you know, for what it's worth, I think the Bearcats are headed in the right direction. And I, I'm seeing more positive comments on our YouTube videos, and I like that. And Mainly the comments that I get are Louisville fans telling me, oh, we're so happy that he's gone. You know, you guys have to deal with him now. And, you know, I, I'm I'm taking all of them with a grain of salt. And I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about this a lot this offseason. What can you really say about Scott Satterfield when he hasn't coached a game yet? Like when we get to September, if the Bearcats get off to a one and two star, you want to say stuff about him? That's fine. Right now. All you can all you can do is skepticize. Is that is that a word? Well, if it is, if it isn't, I just invented it. All you can do is think about what's going to happen. You don't know. I don't know. But you can choose to be optimistic. You can choose to be skeptical. I'm choosing the former. 
All right, coming up. So the national championship Monday night. Yeah, um, about that. Um, but I do want to tell Bearcat fans why they should even be more appreciative about where this program has been. Because that's my biggest takeaway from Monday night. And I will explain why. Excuse me, sorry. After I tell you how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by BetOnline.net, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. It's a great time in Ohio. Sports betting just became legal in the state. We've got the NFL playoffs starting this week. The Bengals hosting the Ravens on Super Wild Card Weekend Sunday night in Cincinnati. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, thanks again for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Plus, hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked on college basketball is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And how about South Carolina last night over Kentucky? Woo! Kentucky struggling, to say the least. Um, So the national championship Monday night was interesting um, because Georgia absolutely kicked the snot out of TCU. It wasn't even close. 65 to 7. 65 to 7. Georgia didn't even beat Samford by that score. They didn't beat Kent State by that score. They didn't even beat Kentucky by that score. They beat TCU, a team who was 13 and 1. Only one fewer win than Georgia. And they beat them by 58 points. Just think about that for a minute. 65 to 7. But now I want you to think about this. And, you know, I tried to in the offseason when there's not a lot happening. And there's a lot happening right now within the Bearcats football program. Transfers rolling in. Um, coaching staff being assembled. There's a lot happening. But when there's not, I always try to look at what's going on around college football, college basketball, maybe even the NFL, and weave it back to the Bearcats. And so the national championship is interesting to me because it was less than a year ago, right? A year ago last night, Georgia played Alabama for the national championship. And I said last year on this show, at the time, Georgia and Alabama were the only two teams the Bearcats had lost to in the previous two years. And those were the two teams playing for the national championship. And if you weren't grateful at the time for where the Bearcats were, I think you should be now. Because because here's how I look at it. The Bearcats played Georgia. And the Georgia team in 2020 wasn't nearly as good as this year's team. It certainly wasn't nearly as good as last year's team. But the Bearcats still played Georgia to a three-point game in their backyard of Atlanta. Essentially a one-point game if you take away the weird safety at the end. I made sure to meet my mic that time. Um, That came out weird. And the Bearcats also played Alabama to a 27-6 game. 
But TCU gets blown out 65 to 7. Curb stomped. I mean, embarrassing. And I'm talking to my mom about this yesterday. I'm like, what do you say to your team after a game like that? Knowing that for a lot of guys, it's their last game. But yet you just got embarrassed. I mean, you didn't even compete. Yeah, it was 10-7 in the first quarter. whoop de do. The next thing you know, it's 38-7 at the half. And God bless Molly McGrath for asking Sonny Dykes before halftime the question of how do you get back into this game? I mean, that's the only question that you could ask at the time. But Cincinnati is going to the Big 12. And just recently, they should have beaten Georgia. And they gave Alabama all they could handle in the Cotton Bowl. So if you're unhappy of where the Bearcats are right now, think about where they've been. And then look at your Big 12 peers and TCU and what they just went up with against Georgia. And they couldn't even compete with them. I mean, you look at some of these statistics from the game Monday night. And I'll be honest, I, I didn't watch the second half. But it was a it was a colossal embarrassment on all levels. I mean, what other national what other national championship or championship event has sixty five to seven as the final score? I mean, LSU beat Purdue sixty three to seven in the Citrus Bowl. All right. I mean, Georgia scored 17 in the first quarter, 21 in the second quarter, 14 in the third quarter, 13 in the fourth quarter. TCU didn't score after the first quarter. And just look at some of these team stats. I mean, some of these numbers, first downs, 32 to 9 in favor of Georgia. Third downs, Georgia 9 of 13. TCU 11. Total yards 589 to 188. Sheesh. Um, time of possession 37 minutes to 23 minutes. Turnovers TCU at three. Georgia had none. I mean, what? It, that's not a game. At least when the Bearcats played Georgia, it was a game. At least when the Bearcats played Alabama, it was 17 6 in the fourth quarter, not. 52 to 7. I mean, 65 points you give up in a national championship. I mean, just say that score to yourself. I mean, when I woke up in the middle of the night and saw the score, I'm like, what the heck happened? I mean, I expected it maybe to be like 52 to 21, but 65 to 7? That means Georgia scored 27 more points in the second half, and TCU didn't score any. I mean, what, what am I missing here? Just be appreciative of what the Bearcats were able to do and a Big 12 foe that they could face next year. Got run off the field. I mean, that's an embarrassment for the national championship. It's an embarrassment for college football, if you ask me, that the national championship is a complete one-sided abomination. It really is. Which no one else is not an abomination just yet. 
the Bearcats basketball season. They were not blown out Sunday by Houston. And there's still a chance they could maybe find themselves away into the NCAA tournament. I'll get to that after a word from two of our sponsors. So the Bearcats and Houston, they played on Sunday. Bearcats fall 72 to 59. And I, I am encouraged by what I saw because I do think this team might be starting to get there. But at the end of the day, they are going to have to start to win these games if they're going to want to make the tournament. Now, is this team an NCAA tournament team? Well, if we look at their remaining schedule, so the Bearcats, the way I look at it is, they've got four games between now and when they play Houston on the 28th, which will be a nationally televised game on CBS. So they play East Carolina tonight, 9 o'clock tip. They got SMU on Saturday. That's a 4 o'clock tip. They've got USF Wednesday next week. That's a 7 o'clock tip. And then they're home against Memphis on Sunday, 1 o'clock tip. Now we look at the American standings. Obviously, Houston's running away with this. Houston's number one in the country, rightfully so. They, 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 they might be right now the best team. But you look at the rest of the conference. East Carolina is 1-3 in league play. USF is 0-3. Uh, SMU is 1-2. Memphis is 2-1. Memphis is probably going to be your toughest remaining test. You don't play them again until February 26th. Excuse me. So if you can find a way to win at least three of these next four games and get your record of five and three in conference play, which means which means you would be what? Um, 14 and seven through 21 games. All right, not great, but not horrible. So then you go to Houston. And then I look at the remaining schedule. Tulsa, UCF, UCF's, UCF is going to be tough. They're three and one in league play. Temple's four and one in league play. Tulane's three and one. Gosh, Tulane has been good in both sports this year. Um, you got Tulsa, UCF at home, then Tulane on the road, South Florida at home, ECU on the road, UCF on the road, Temple at home, then you're at Memphis. So this stretch of games, you really got to start to bank these wins. But at the same time, as Russ and I talk about, as Russ talks about, the Bearcats don't have any margin for error because they're facing a lot of similar teams in the 50 to 150 range of Ken Palm. So you're going to have to find a way to start to win these games and get yourself in the position to get to the NCAA tournament. There's still a chance. I think if this team, particularly if David DeJulius shows up in big games, particularly if Jeremiah Davenport can start showing up in big games, he can't go one of nine. And the Bearcats expect to win every game. That's not going to that 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 just does not cut it. You cannot expect that. But what you can expect is Landers Nolly and Victor Locken. If the best players on this team can fulfill their roles, regardless of the caliber of the game, I don't care if you're playing USF on a Tuesday night. In three thousand seat Yingling, the Yingling Center, whatever it's called down in uh, in Tampa, 
if you if you can give the same effort then if you can give the same effort in a game against Memphis or Houston as you do in USF this team can win one of I mean they got three chances left you can find a way to win one of those even two and win the remainder of your games well it's two and two right now in league play say they win only one of the next three so that gets them to three and five when the other 10 you're 13 and five so either 13 and five or 14 and four in league play still attainable I mean they're two and two which I wouldn't consider ideal but I wouldn't consider it bad this team still has a lot left to play for I really do believe that but you get but they gotta bring the energy every single game they can't let teams go on a 18 to 13 to run to open up the second half or Landers Nolly Camp go bonkers from deep in the first half against Houston and then not be seen the rest of the game. Victor Locken can't take off the first half and then magically reappear in the second half. And Jeremiah Davenport just can't go stone cold. I mean, that that that, that stuff can't happen. When this team is playing well and the wind's at their backs, they're great. But when the but when they get punched in the mouth. They do not show true toughness. They don't show what so many Mick Cronin teams in the past would do against Houston. I'm not saying the Mick Cronin team would have beaten this Houston team on Sunday, but I think they would have had a great chance because I know they would have been up for the challenge. In fact, I think there's a chance they would have won because that team was willing to do tough things. And when they did, no one, very few teams beat them my first two years at Cincinnati the Bearcats lost 10 regular season games 10 and I remember every single one of them but you know what else I remember when they did the things that other teams weren't willing to do that's why they won several of those games they should not have won they shouldn't have won the Houston game in 2018 down 18 in the first half or however the deficit big the deficit was they did they shouldn't have won the Memphis game in the tournament. They did. They held Memphis to, what, 18 points in the second half? Yeah, 18 points in the second half of that game. They shouldn't have beaten Temple in 2019. They did. They were down 14 in the second half. They shouldn't have won the UCF game at home. Down six with like three minutes to play. God, I remember that game. My point is this. If the Bearcats are willing to do the tough things, they're going to be in a lot of these games, and they and they can win some of these games. I believe that. On tomorrow's show, we will have a recap of the Bearcats game against ECU, more from Tom Manning and Brian Brown. And then Thursday at 12.30 Eastern time, Russ Hellman and I will be back with another live room. That will be for Friday's podcast as well. So, Keep it here, Locked On Bearcats. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And how about for your second listen, check out your check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore daddy and at locked on cats 
on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, and email at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. For Lockdown Bearcats, my name is Alex Frank. Have a great, great rest of your day. Happy birthday to my cousin Colin, who turns 17 today. How about that? Hope he's hope you have a great day. Hope you all have a great day. Keep it right here on Lockdown Bearcats. I'm Alex Frank for Lockdown Bearcats. Have a great rest of your day.